got me some orange tang in a couple of days. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It is once again time for the Jack Wagon Sports Podcast on the Jack Wagon Network. Uh, we have a grumpy Slade. We have a happy Nick uh, and everything in between. Uh, we got a lot to get through. Uh, we had a great race at Homestead Miami in NASCAR. Uh, we got some NFL Week 7 wrap-up for you guys. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of hockey today. Uh, we also have College Football Week 8 wrap-up for you as well. Uh, so let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, so we had, like I said earlier, the NASCAR race at Homestead, uh, Larson dominated the whole day. Uh, I think he led all but 60 laps of the entire race. Uh, so, Slade, I'll go to you first and just get your thoughts on the race. We did have a little bit of an incident on pit road uh, between Larson and Truex Jr. Uh, so your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, so I think that it was a great race by him. I think that this would have been that race that kind of uh, got him into the Final Four had he made the playoffs. He's still been... Um, finishing well at least the last couple weeks so I think that he would have had a good chance at making it through to this part but um altogether I thought William Byron was going to be the one to steal it from Kyle Larson and kind of kind of solidify himself in that final four with Logano but ended up just not being his day and so it was it was really interesting because the night before we saw Gregson just dominate basically and so I really thought with him being in the 88 for Hendrick for filling in for Alex Bowman and stuff that he was going to be able to be like a top five car. I mean, you saw, uh, I think it was Nemechek and Gibbs both qualified in the top six or something like that. And so I really thought that it was going to be a weekend for the Xfinity Series drivers to just kind of yeah. go in and, and show because with them being um, either rookies or fill-in drivers, uh, at the beginning of the season, they got a lot of test time at this track because they get to choose test time for certain tracks and stuff like that. So, um Whenever they know they're going to be getting a couple of races, they're able. They're allotted a certain amount of testing time, which where I thought that they were going to be able to really succeed this weekend. But we just didn't see it. You just saw the normal Larson and his dominating fashion. Yeah, I I thought uh, Nemechek looked really good for most the early part of the race, and then he came off the two and just uh, you know he didn't total it, but he he got into the wall a little bit, and from that on he just couldn't recover. Um, but I mean he was running really well. He was inside the top five. His car started to fade there a little bit towards the end of that, that first run. Um, but otherwise, very impressed with him in, in his NASCAR debut. Uh, these, the cup cars are so much different to drive than the Xfinity cars. And so to see him be able to come in on, on short notice, let alone uh, you know his first ever race, I think he only had 20 minutes of practice time before that you know, in the cup car at Homestead. Um, it, it was cool to see him qualify well, but also run well for a little bit of the race there. Uh, unfortunately, just lost it all for turn two. Uh, Nick, I don't know if you got to watch any of it, uh, but just your thoughts on the weekend. Um, I, I don't have any thoughts that you guys didn't cover. It was it was a good race, but um, apparently Kyle Larson just needs to get wrecked to win a race or to win the next race. So uh, maybe next week or next year we build that into the game plan somehow. Um, but a good race. It, it's starting to um, get serious as far as the playoffs go. Uh, you know, it's these drivers, you can tell watching the race, like they know, hey, you know, us last eight, we want to make it to the final four. We got to do, you know, everything we can. Um, 
because obviously you could have something like uh, last round, sorry, lost word, uh, last round, and somebody that's, you know, at the bottom under the cut line ends up winning a race, maybe kick somebody out. So uh, definitely will be fun to watch the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and take a look at the points heading into the final race of the round of eight. Uh, so again, Logano has his spot locked up. And I, I, nobody here is safe by any means. I mean, the last round we saw a lot of the guys heading into the final race were 30 points clear of the cut line. Hey, you just got to finish exposition in the first stage or second stage and, and you're locked in. Um, nobody from Chastain, you know, all the way down is locked in. There's been some concern developing around Chase Elliott. Uh, he's just been getting caught up in other people's messes more so than anything. But there's also been a few mistakes, whether it's on pit road, strategy wise or whatnot. Um, Vegas, he did not have a good car at all. Uh, this past weekend at Homestead, his car was running a little bit better, but still not where they wanted it. Uh, Martinsville tends to be a strong track for him, uh, but Slade, I know he's your boy. Is there any danger of him missing the cut this week, uh, or, or how do you feel about him heading into Martinsville? I think that they need to focus on qualifying because obviously it's very hard to pass at this track. Um, I was listening to some other people talk about it, and they basically said that if you qualify in the top 10, at the beginning of the race, um, you're, you're pretty much guaranteeing yourself some stage points there. I think that that's what they need to fight for. I don't think they fight for a win here. I think that there's too many guys that are that are much better than him at this track for him to try and kind of play the route of just trying to be there at the end. And, and that gives up too many uh, stage points to try and be at that part at the end. I think that they just act as if it's half the actual distance of the race and just try and be up front for the first two stages to get the the stage points because realistically that should lock him in unless he would crash out the next lap and be done. Yeah. Um, my, my concern. So again, I, I'm kind of pulling for Blaney here just because I love to see him get into the championship forward, no wins and hell even win the damn thing with no wins. Um, but th this past weekend, I think was his best shot to really improve his point standings. Uh, he definitely gained a little bit of ground, but you, you can see they had a top 10 car most of the day, but they, they're just not catching any breaks like they were the first two rounds, like they were most of the season to keep themselves in the points race. Um, I'm really concerned for him going in, into Martinsville because, again, statistically, he has not qualified really well there or ran well there. Uh, with the new short track package, a lot of the guys were saying, you know, it, it's not like we, we saw before where everything's going to stay bunched up. Uh, it, it's kind of going to get spread out a little bit. So he's definitely in danger. Uh, Denny Hamlin, again, always seems to run well at Martinsville, but he is below the cut line right now. Chris Revelle is 33 back, and Briscoe is 44 back after having an accident at Homestead. Uh, so both of them are, excuse me, basically in a win-or-go-home situation. Uh, Nick, let's get your pick for who you think are going to be the four sent home after after Sunday. Four sent home. All right, well, I filled out one of them NASCAR pick'em things on Facebook. Uh, Logano's already in, and I had said yes for Elliott and Hamlin to make it. Um, so, who's my fourth? Well, the last time I counted Christopher Bell out, he uh, proved me wrong terribly. Um, mm, give me, I'm going to say, you know what, I, I, I think Blaney's had a good season. I know he doesn't statistically do well here, but I'm going to put him as my fourth. Uh, so, that will be Chastain, Byron. Uh, Christopher Bell and Chase Briscoe out. Uh, Slade? Yeah, so I did want to mention also that the, the cars that did very well 
at the race earlier this season, the, the big difference here is they're taking an entire different left side tire to this track. Um, so that's going to be the difference maker here. And we've seen that cause a lot of difference in finishing order for the races previous that they've taken a different side tire to. Um, but I think that Denny Hamlin's going to end up squeaking in and knocking one of the Hendrick cars out. I think Chastain just had a really great weekend last weekend and, and kind of put himself up there almost 20 points ahead. I mean, he could do the same thing that I said Chase Elliott should do and just go out and win the first stage or finish like top three in the first two stages. And if he's able to do that, that puts him at almost 40 points above the cut line, not counting what the other drivers had done to that point. But I mean, it would be pretty hard for him to be out. So I think that I would keep the bottom three that are still out, out, and then I would add either Byron or Elliott. So I'm hoping it's Byron. Yeah. Uh, just one thing I want to, I want to, you know, have people keep in mind going into this race is, um, wait, hold on. I'm sorry, real quick. I just now noticed this. If you look behind the drivers, there's like little silhouettes here, mm-hmm. and the silhouettes behind the drivers do not match the drivers. Right. There's a there's a Miller Light one behind Chase Elliott. Yeah, all of a sudden, I'm like looking at that. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> That that was bugging me for a second, um, but yeah. So in, in my mind, um, what I want to refresh everybody on is, is Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain do not like each other. Uh, I can absolutely see Denny Hamlin in a situation where it, you need to get in. You can't let Ross score X amount of points. If that's who you want to keep out. Uh, kind of dump him like we saw him do to Elliott in, in the past before. Uh, just something I want to keep my eye on. The the four I hope go home are Byron. Uh, Hamlin, Bell, and Briscoe. I mean, I don't hope Briscoe goes home, but it, it's next to impossible for him to come back from that unless he wins the race. Um, but th- those are the four I hope to go home. Realistically, uh, I can see Briscoe, Bell, Blaney. I, w- I would put it between Hamlin and Byron. Yeah, Byron still. Uh, I-, I think it's just going to come down to who qualifies the best, like we said earlier, and then who can just run, have a decent clean day. It's difficult to do at Martinsville. There's going to be a lot of crazy shit going on. And, uh, and Byron, I think he led like 180 of the laps at the last tra- last time they were here, which yeah. makes it really difficult on someone like Blaney or Hamlin and even Elliott to to think that they're going to have a good chance at making it in because Byron could, he could realistically end second. Like he could lead every lap, win both stages and take second in the race and end up being second in the points playoffs that we see here, you know? Right. Uh, so, I mean, definitely a lot to look forward to this weekend heading into uh, the final cutoff race for the round of eight at Martinsville. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Martinsville is always one of the best races. Uh, I really want to go, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I think that's a stretch. Um, so let's move over to the NFL. Uh, like we said earlier, we had week seven in the NFL. Uh, a lot of interesting games, a lot of surprising results. Uh, so let's go ahead and pull those up and start looking at some of them. Uh, if I could hit the right button here, there we go. Uh, Nick, we'll go to you first. Your your big Tommies pick up a huge win over the Packers at home with Taylor Heineke back in with Carson Wentz out. Uh, I'll just let you talk about this game. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna try to keep this as short as possible. Uh, I personally uh, asked at the beginning of the season, and even if you ask me now, I would tell you that I think Carson Wentz is the better quarterback. However, I think that Taylor Heineke is the better quarterback for this team. Um, every side of the ball showed a completely different energy on Sunday. And while I'm sure there's probably other things that attributed to that, um, my biggest thing for me was Taylor Heineke being out there. Um, you know, everybody always talks about his heart. 
He always has energy. He's always picking his teammates up. Um, and I, I think that that made a huge difference for us. Uh, I'm not going too far on this win because Green Bay is not the typical Green Bay. This is like Green Bay in the NFC Championship Green Bay, not the receivers regular season. have butter on their hands. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what? it's good. We got two in a row. I'll take it. Uh, we have... I want to say Minnesota up next, but I could be wrong about that. Um, but just keep moving, keep going forward, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, and, and Green Bay doesn't get an easy schedule from here either. They play Buffalo on Sunday night this week. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has been saying, oh, you know, everybody's starting to doubt us now. He's like, now we're in the perfect position, especially going into Buffalo where absolutely nobody's given us a chance. Uh, I, I think the Packers, and, and I know as soon as I say this, I'm going to jinx them just like I did Texas this weekend, but I – I think the Packers are done. I, I think there's no receiving core there. Their defense is, is next to awful. Um, it, it's been good enough to keep them in some of these games, but to, to be 100% fair to Washington, uh, I can't believe Green Bay gave up 23 points. Or, yeah, 23 points. Um, so I, I, I have zero faith in Green Bay. Uh, they get one more win against the Bears, and who knows, that might be the last win they get this season. Uh, another surprising result we had, uh, the Chargers lose at home to Seattle. Uh, Geno Smith continues to impress this season. Uh, 20 of 27, 210 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Justin Herbert did not have a bad day either. Uh, 33 of 51, 293 yards, two touchdowns, and interception. Uh, Los Angeles just could not move the ball uh, most of the day. And Seattle's, Seattle's defense could very well carry them to a, a postseason berth, which would be hilarious especially the Broncos missed the postseason. Um, so you got any thoughts on this game? Uh, yeah, I, I think that just looking at Herbert's completions there, you could have looked at that and just been like, yeah, they definitely definitely deserve to lose when he's throwing 33 of 51 um, and an interception. I mean, he can throw the ball long, which makes his 293 yards look impressive. But that also could be one like, I don't know, total of 10 of the 33 completions you know nick yeah um i hate to say it i was thinking about this while i was at work today um the chargers have to be the i don't even know what word that i want to use for it um but the biggest smoke show that i have seen in my time watching the nfl this is three seasons in a row well we'll be generous we'll say two seasons in a row where um we thought the chargers had the team not just we, but everybody thought that the Chargers had the team to make a playoff run, maybe even a Super Bowl if they could, you know, get past the Chiefs. Um, and they have lived or not lived to those lived up to those expectations um, in either of those years. Granted, you know, this is a surprisingly good Seattle team. Um, you know what uh, Gino's got going on over there. It's impressive. You know, he's not. He ain't no uh, Patrick Mahomes or anything, but he's leading the team's team to wins. Uh, they're in first in their division. They're probably going to stay in first in their division because their division is a crap show. Uh, but the biggest surprise here is just the Chargers um, not performing how everybody thought they would. Yeah, I, I think it's, I said this before this season. I, it's definitely time to move on from Brandon Staley. Uh, he, he is not the coach everybody thinks he is. It, analytics can only get you so far in the NFL. And a lot of teams are starting to figure that out, not just in the NFL and college too. Uh, you know, the, the chart says to do this. We got to do this. It, it's football is not a chart game. It, 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 the charts can definitely help you, but if you bury your face in the in these charts and the 
stat sheets and all this other stuff, you're, you're not going to be successful. Uh, and we're seeing that in Los Angeles more than anywhere because Brandon Staley will not get his head out of the stat book. Um, as far as Seattle goes, I think, like I said earlier, they're definitely in good position to make a playoff run. Uh, and if you look at the AFC West now, this is a, a division going into the season we thought could easily get three teams in, into the playoffs. Uh, and now we're looking at they might only get the, the, the Chiefs in. And that's only because they're going to win the division. Uh, this has gone from one of or having the possibility of being one of the best divisions in football uh, to being one of the worst outside of Kansas City. Uh, I mean, you look at Las Vegas, too. I think they should have never moved on from their interim head coach, and I can't remember his name. I'm not even going to try and say it. But Josh McDaniels is not a good head coach. I don't know why anybody thought this would be a good exercise to try again, uh, but he's burying that team as well. Uh, so it, it's kind of honestly sad to see a little bit. Um, it's kind of like um... – NFL like league wide too. I feel like this year, um, teams just aren't as good. Like you have Philly on one side and Buffalo on the other, and really, like we talked about it before, that's it. Um, you know, the Chiefs sometimes look like they could make a run at the Super Bowl again, but not consistent enough. You know, uh, compared to the Bills, it's it's very weird. There were a lot of teams that we thought were going to be very competitive, um, and have a really good shot to make a Super Bowl run and. Other than those two I listed, maybe the Chiefs. That's it. Uh, speaking of the Chiefs, they beat the 49ers on the road, uh, 44 to 23. It was not really even that close. Uh, Garoppolo, 25 of 37, 303 yards, two touchdowns, and interception. Mahomes, 25 of 34, 423, three touchdowns, one interception. The big news of the week heading into this game is Chris, Christian McCaffrey was traded from Carolina to San Francisco. Uh, so he gets to go home to the Bay Area. Uh, Nick, your thoughts on that trade and then this game as well? Yeah, um, I think the 49ers were smart in taking that trade. Um, I don't remember the specifics about the deal itself. Um, But as far as acquiring McCaffrey, I I think that it was a smart move. Um, If he's healthy, him and Samuel running all over the field, and you got to make sure you know where both of them are at 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 all times, um, is really going to help Jimmy G out. uh, Because we all know, you know, Jimmy G's a serviceable QB. He's you know, nothing crazy. Um, but having those two guys to throw to, hand off to, whatever he wants, uh, and Kittle, hopefully those two or adding CMC will help free up Kittle a little bit. I know he's having a underwhelming season. Um, but I think it's good for them. I, I think if anybody really has what it takes to compete with Philly in the NFC, it could be San Fran if CMC's healthy. Um, but this, I need to see this defense step up a little more. They've kind of lapsed a, a little bit this past week or um, these past weeks. And, uh, you know, like I said, the Chiefs, I think they're a competitive team. I think they're a great team. I don't know if they're uh, with Buffalo this year. Um, I know their game together was close, but I just I, I see the Chiefs being very inconsistent. Um, and if they continue to be like that, they're not going to be able to make this Super Bowl. Uh, so I, yeah, I mean, I think that Garoppolo, we know he gets paid half a million dollars to play each game now at this point. Um or to play the most snaps as quarterback for the game, I think. Um, so I think that he's just going out there, kind of going through the motions. And I think that Christian McCaffrey going there at this point is going to really boost up this team. I think that we could definitely have this, if this game was played again in maybe two or three weeks when they have like their offense running all together and stuff, I think that we would definitely see a much closer game because, like you said, I don't think 23 to 44 even warrants how distant this should have been 
I mean, Mahomes threw for 430 yards almost. Yeah, I mean, this was a game at halftime. It was a one-score game, and the second half, the 49ers just kind of shut down. Uh, I, I think the 49ers are the, are the kind of team that's going to sneak into the wild card, and they might have a season like they did last year. They've been doing a couple you know, wins, end up in the NFC Championship game, just because I feel like the, the NFC division as a whole is so wide open outside of Philly. Like Everybody, everybody has seen how good Philly is to this point. Uh, obviously, they need to stay healthy and so on. But I, I don't see a number two team in the NFC to challenge Philadelphia right now, uh, which sucks to say. But, uh, I mean, everybody thought the Packers would, would still be the Packers. And, you know, yeah, they lost Devontae Adams. But, you know, for years, Rodgers has thrown to, you know, terrible receivers outside of Devontae Adams. Um, I, I legitimately just – I can't think of another team to even match up with Philadelphia in the NFC Championship game right now. That, that's – that's my uh, my biggest concern. Uh, Before but I mean, we move on, you reminded me of something. You're a Bears fan, so you probably see it. But did you boys see uh, Robert Quinn got traded to the Eagles? Unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, good good for him because he he deserves to be on a good team. Uh, and I'm I'm excited to see what he can do going forward. So does uh, Roquan, but he's about to get franchise tagged. So yeah, the uh, stat line for this first game is <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Uh, and the, the worst part is, is and then happy. the second one, Jackson nine is sixteen because <laughs> he, he's a running back. He's not supposed to be yeah, oh boy. Uh, but I mean, speaking of teams that could end up in the NFC Championship game, we have the Bears. Uh, they won almost. Uh, I'm just kidding. That's not. He almost got through it without laughing. Uh, the Bears uh, whooped up on the Patriots on Monday Night Football. Uh, complete 180 from what I thought was going to happen. I didn't even bother watching the game because I didn't think it was going to be this close. Uh, let alone, well, not close, but. Anywhere near this result. Um, Bears 33, Patriots 14, Justin Fields 13 to 21, 179 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Mac Jones was benched in the, I believe it was the second quarter uh, after his second interception. Bailey Zappi comes in, goes 14 to 22, 185 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, he had the Patriots in the lead at one point and they played Stacy's mom and then he kind of fell apart. So he was singing on the sideline. Yeah, they should probably stop playing that song now. Uh, my thoughts on this game is, wow, the Patriots sucked, and I didn't think we were this good. I didn't think we could ever score 30 points in a game this season, but, I mean, here we are, uh, especially after watching Thursday Night Football last week and scored 12 against the Commanders. So we won. I'll take it. Uh, I fully expect that to be our last win of the year. I, I don't even think we can beat the Lions at this point. Uh, and I, I know that's saying a lot, and that's harsh, because, like I said, we just we had a big win on Monday Night Football. This team sucks. And I want this team to suck. I, I I will embrace the suck this season. I don't care. I don't want us to win anymore. Uh, I will gotta, gladly take a top five draft pick. Um, we got to put that on a t-shirt. Embrace the suck. Yeah. Um, moving on. Uh, speaking of Lamar Jackson, a uh, little controversy here. Uh, I mean, when is there not in the NFL, especially when Baltimore is involved? Uh, Baltimore wins 23-20. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the replay. There was a phantom false start call on the Browns as they went for the game time field goal, uh, they I, they backed him up, and then I don't think that the next one's even close. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 9 of 16, 120 yards, zero touchdowns. Again, he's a running back. And Jacoby Brissett, 22 of 27 for 258 yards. Uh, no touchdowns because he has Nick Chubb. He doesn't need to throw these touchdowns. Uh, <laughs> uh, Slade, any thoughts on this game? I, I Yeah, I just think that the Jackson stat line, 23 points and no touchdowns, 9 reception or completions is just uh pretty crazy. Nick. 
Yeah. Um, I don't even know what to say about this. <laughs> I, I did not see the video, but I'm definitely going to look it up when we get off of here. Um, because I, it sounds like the NFL handed the Ravens um, this win to avoid them choking another one away. Um, yeah, 9 of 16, 120. Wow. Um, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure all three of us here are in agreement that Lamar Jackson should just be a running back. Um, it's just nice to see because I love the Baltimore people. Ooh, Lamar Jackson's a franchise QB. Okay. Oh, when you start winning playoff games, let me know. Yeah. Uh, and probably the surprising team in the NFL up to this point, uh, I mean, both teams in, in New York City are surprising, I guess, technically. Oh, oops, oops. oh there. He just wants to skip ahead to that first game. I I, I am excited to get to that, but um, (laughs) the the Giants and Jets are both. I think it's five and one, six and one now. Uh, Uh, I don't know. They have one loss. They have one loss. Yeah. Um, I don't want to talk about the Jets this week, just because of the simple fact that Zach Wilson has done nothing. It's it's his whole team, and now they lose Brees Hall. Uh, so I I I think that the Jet is about to crash into the. But they did also get uh Robinson. Yeah. Um. I don't think the Giants. And the final score is not forty-four to twenty-three. I just want to point that out. I was wondering why you pointed out the fact that the Jacksonville's last play was stopped at the one-yard line. I'm like, who the hell cares? They lost by twenty-one points. No, that's that is not the right score, and I'm too lazy to look it up now. Uh, Daniel (laughs) Jones did have a good day though, nineteen to thirty, two hundred two yards, one touchdown. Trevor Lawrence, twenty-two of forty-three, three hundred ten yards. And yes, Jacksonville was stopped on the one-yard line of the final play to to win the game. It was it was not. Not, uh, yeah, so the Giants had 23 and the Jaguars had 17. Okay, there we go, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, w- it was not to make it a respectable loss at, at 14 points instead of whatever that is. Uh, <laughs> Slate, any thoughts on that game? I mean, based on the score you put up there, I just think they were trying to help the betters out by going for it there at the goal line. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I I, I, I know who's going to be in the NFC Championship game. Now. It's going to be the Eagles and the Giants, and the Giants are somehow going to win. And then we're gonna have a rematch of what like Super Bowl like thirty something, uh, with the Giants and the Bills. Mm. That's 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 what I'm putting in there. I'm here. I for mean, it. Giants or Bills, or I mean, I mean, the Eagles against anyone is gonna be crazy. I I seen um I seen the I, world alone. I I don't want like. Billy did you see? Yeah, I, I mean, I saw the things showing. It's like they they won just their their division side in baseball. They didn't even win the World Series yet. And they're already tearing down oh, light yeah. posts. I, I, I love how they greased, the light posts yeah, they greased yeah, them yeah. and then people were still able to climb them. Yeah. I, I, at some point, they just got to realize it's not working. Um, but it is what it is. If if it's Philly, Buffalo, at, at, where's the Super Bowl? It's in Phoenix, right? I think so. Yeah. If it's Philly, Buffalo, the city of Phoenix is going to be burned down. There, by there's the no way they're going to have enough alcohol in the world to... to yeah, there's going to be whole buildings falling through tables. Like it, it's going to be ridiculous. Well, at that point, they might as well move it to like a northeast location. Like move it to Boston. Like yeah. it, it's two teams that are used to playing in the cold. Like let's just have a, a cold game. They let's make it. Around. They make it in the dome though. No, no. They're playing the Syracuse dome. How about that? Those two teams in the even non. <laughs> What's that? That's even worse. <laughs> oh my god, the building would implode. That. That's what I don't want. I I want the air to escape. Be, the players be getting drunk off of the breath of everybody else alone. Mm-hmm. For real. Uh, moving on, let's talk a little bit of the NHL. Uh, we, we got slated into it this year. Uh, Nick, Nick got into it last year. I forgot to say your name about four times there. 
so we just want to chat a little bit. Uh, we're about two weeks into the season. Uh, get some thoughts on where you guys feel like your teams are right now. Any questions Slade might have. Uh, and just who's been surprising you player-wise, team-wise, for good or bad uh, up to this point in the season. Uh, Nick, we'll, we'll let you – no, I lied. Slade, we'll let you go first. Any questions about being a hockey fan? So, so my first question is, do, do they not play the same, same amount of games, like, roughly in a two-week period? Because, no, like, yeah. looking, looking at the team stats and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it's weird because St. Louis has only played four games, yet the majority of their conference has played six or seven. Yeah, uh, they, they break up their schedules weird just so, like, one week you'll play – you might play two games back-to-back weeks. The next game you might play four. Uh, I mean, everybody will play these same amount of games in a season. No, no, no. I, I figured yeah. that. I just figured yeah. that, like, they kind of planned it out so that each team played, I don't know, maybe like seven to eight games in a two-week span. Yeah, but it, it's it not even kinda... close to that because you said, like, two weeks. And and what I'm seeing, it shows that uh, the Blues have only played four games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they that's just, they break up the schedule. It depends on travel, too. Uh, like, Pittsburgh is on a West Coast trip right now. They played Edmonton on Monday. They played Calgary last night. Now they have a two-day break. They're going to play Vancouver and then Seattle. So a lot of the time yeah, changes. Yeah, a, a lot of that is just broken up because, hey, we're going on trips. Teams need to come travel to us and, and things like that. It is a little weird. They haven't only played four games. I will say that. That is, that is surprisingly light. Um, but, yeah, they, they mix it up. So, I mean, we can be looking back in another two weeks, and they might have the most games played in the NHL. Uh, it's just the weird ways they break up the, the schedule. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I think that the only other part that I just wanted to throw in there is that, Nick and I's teams did play. It was an overtime battle, so it was a really good one. It was. I was surprised that nobody was texting the whole time during that. But uh, I didn't even think about it. I'm not used to Slade being a hockey fan yet. Yeah, uh, gotta get it. Gotta get in the rhythm. Uh, Pittsburgh and Seattle play this week. It'll be yeah, Saturday. I think it is. Uh, yeah, Saturday. Um, at, of course, you have a back to back with Vancouver and then you guys. So that, that might be rough. And now I gotta wait up till 10 p.m. to watch that game. Um. Nick, any questions from you so far? I mean, you're only a year into this, so you still might have. Some, but... uh, I don't. I, I don't believe so, as far as questions go. Well, then let's get it. What, what teams have been surprising you, good or bad, and and players, good or bad, in in, in the same breath? Nick, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah. The as far as good goes, a uh, team that surprised me is Boston. Um, they've jumped out to a six and one start. Uh, you know, I, I had them making the playoffs. I think they're going to be a good team this year. Um, but it is. It is very hard on any given week, unless you're like Colorado, um, to you know win six out of seven games. Let alone at the start of the season when you know not everything's running as smoothly as you would like to. Um, so, shout out to Boston for coming out hot. Um, I haven't, as far as players go, I haven't really seen um, any that have particularly like jumped out or you know surprised me or anything like that. Um, you know, the good players are playing good hockey. Um, as far as how I, I feel about my team, um, I, I guess if I were to have to mention a player, uh, Jared McCann, I believe he has three goals so far this year, maybe four now. Um, but he's, you know, we signed him to an extension last year, basically saying, "Hey, like we want you to be here. You know, we want to kind of build around you." Um, and he has played very well. He, uh, high energy. He's played on some lines with Yanni Gord, uh, and those two will just skate around the ice all night long. Um, nice to see Brandon Tanev have him back. He barely played for us last year. Uh, of course, Matty Beniers, um, as much as I hate Michigan, I love that kid. Um, 
But uh, I'm very, I don't want to necessarily say surprised because I knew that our offense was going to be better this year. Um, But we have come out, you know, we just dropped five points against Buffalo, who had won four out of the first six, I think, um, and only allowed them to score one. Uh, So it was very good to see that. I think when we, you know, we got a bunch of new players. Uh, I believe there's four in our main rotation uh, that we got, three on offense, one defense, I believe. Um, so as those players start to get in more, or not get in more, but get used to who they're playing around, um, as we figure out the lines, I think this is going to be a very dangerous team and a very fun team to watch. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, Slade, any thoughts on teams that have surprised you, good or bad? Yeah, I'm surprised that Nashville has started out so slow this season. Uh, I think they're like two and five or two and four or something like that. But it was just surprising because I think with our picks, I had kind of picked them to be a lot better than that so far. Obviously, it's like you guys have mentioned, it's two weeks in and, and what, seven, eight games in. But it was just surprising to see them start out with, with that um, with that record like that. And then uh, I think that my my hope for my team is that they can take third in, in their side just because, I mean, there's a lot of talent there uh, above them. And so – I think that that's my hope, and and so right now I think they're like fourth or something like that. But obviously they've only played four games, and there's a lot of downhill that can go from there. Yeah, I mean it, it's still early. Uh, like so, as far as surprising teams to me doing well, uh, I'm going to go with Philadelphia and Chicago. These are two teams I had picked to finish at the bottom of the division. Now, granted, they may still very well finish there, um, but the fact that you know Philadelphia is fourth. Four and two right now um, is, is huge for them. Uh, Chicago is also four and two. Uh, so, again, these are two teams that nobody thought would do anything. Uh, and here they are again. It's, yeah, we're only two weeks into the season, but uh, it, it is interesting to see those two teams playing well. As far as teams playing poorly, uh, Vancouver is 0 and 7. They have, uh, they're 0 5 and 2, uh, which, again, that was a team I picked to go to the playoffs this year. Not looking so hot, uh, but plenty of time to turn around. And also Anaheim, uh, Trevor Zegers can, cannot carry that team like, like he's trying to right now. Uh, they, they need help around him. Uh, again, this is a team I had flirting with the playoff line this year. They're one, four and one so far. Uh, and the Islanders uh, are two and four so far. Uh, so not the worst start ever, uh, but again, a little bit surprising. I, I thought this would be a team that would come off a little bit hotter to start the season. Uh, and then fade out, but maybe they'll do it reverse this year, and they might end up being one of the best teams. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, that's enough. Oh, as, as far as the Penguins, um, we've had a decent start so far, 4-2-1. Uh, and one. We've given up a lot of goals the last two games. I'm a little concerned. Uh, so I'd like us to get a little bit better on defense, uh, and especially in goal. But, again, two weeks in, I'm not trying to overreact to anything. Uh, and before we move on, I just wanted to shout out Phil Kessel. I had to throw his jersey on tonight. Uh, broke the Ironman record for the NHL last night, so round of applause to him. Uh, that is awesome to see. He spent a few years with the Penguins, won two cups there, uh, so he will always hold a special place in my heart. And uh, yeah, that's enough hockey for now. Let's move on to some college football week eight. Um, we had a lot going on this past weekend, uh, so let's go ahead and get into that. First game up, Oregon uh, continues to have their bounce back after. Losing that tough loss week one <clears throat> to Georgia, uh, forty-five to thirty. 
I'll just go ahead and talk about this game. I know you guys really cared about it, but I'll talk about this one. Um, I, I love our offense. I think our offense is fine the way it is. Uh, the way Bo Nix has bounced back from that Georgia game, he threw two picks in that game, looked terrible. Uh, I was I was ready to, to get on the Bo Nix sucks train. Uh, he has come out since then, and he, he is starting to creep his name into the Heisman conversation with a lot of people, uh, which is very interesting to see. I did not see that season or this season as a whole going anywhere near that direction. Uh, so I'm very excited for that. I am very concerned about our defense, though. This game was not 40 to, or 45 to 30. This game was 45 to 14 tops. Um, but we just could not stop BTR, uh, their running back, uh, Chaminet, I think it, it was. Um, there's a lot of questions I have on that defense. Justin Flo was a highly touted recruit years ago. He can never stay healthy. This is his first full season up to this point. He's blown a lot of coverages. He's missed a lot of tackles. Uh, I, very concerned about this defense. If if we play, if we are able to make it to the Pac-12 championship game and we play a team like USC, uh, it's going to be a high-scoring affair. It, it, the defense just definitely concerns me going forward. It's not a championship defense in my eyes. Uh, so, I mean, there's still plenty of time to get it there, but it's just concerning being eight weeks into the season and, and seeing kind of the way they're playing. If it wasn't for the fact that we got that onside kick to start the second quarter, uh, I, I think this game is a lot closer, and maybe UCLA has enough momentum to even pull out a win. Uh, it's definitely concerning. Uh, on the road, Cincinnati played SMU. Uh, they win 29-27. Uh, SMU failed a two-point conversion with 157 left. Uh, so we'll go to you first and just your thoughts on this game. Yeah, I didn't think that this was going to be this close. I think I actually said that it was going to be like a touchdown game. Um, to think that this one could have went to overtime, and was very close to it, obviously, with the missed two-point conversion with two minutes left. Uh, it's frightening to see for Cincinnati. Nick? Yeah, um, I'm on the same page as Slade. I, I thought this was at least a touchdown game. Um, you know, Cincinnati hasn't really lived up to the hype that they faced this season, um, which I guess that'll happen when you make the playoffs, even if you don't necessarily deserve to be there. Um, but, uh, it, you know, SMU... You know, no fault to them. They obviously played a great game um, against a team that people probably, you know, gave them zero chance in. Um, so nice to see that fight. Yeah, I mean, this is an SMU team where basically half the team quit, you know, three weeks into the season and said they were going to enter the transfer portal. Um, yeah, Cincinnati has definitely fallen, you know, from, from their playoff races. They're back into the top 25. Uh, they had a tough loss on the road. They, they still only have one loss in the season. Uh, but you can definitely tell this is not the same team. And yeah, you, you lost a, a quarterback that should have been a Heisman finalist in my eyes, and Desmond Ritter. Uh, they lost a lot of their defensive players too, like Sauce Gardner is now gone. Uh, so this is a team that's been decimated by people leaving, but they're going to the NFL, which is a great sign to see Cincinnati, you know, pushing these players in that pipeline. Cincinnati is now moving to the Big 12 next year. Uh, so, I mean, they're going to be able to bring in more and more better recruits. Uh, they're going to play better and better competition. So I, I think we're just seeing the beginning of the Cincinnati kind of dynasty, I want to say. Yeah, they're, they're having a down year this year, but, I mean, supposedly Alabama had a down year last year. But I, I think that's the goal for Cincinnati is to get to that point. I mean, that's the goal for every program. But uh, Cincinnati is definitely doing a great job. Luke Fickle's doing a great job of building that program up. Uh, we had probably the surprising game of the week. Uh, Ole Miss goes in the LSU in Death Valley. Uh, somebody... No, I don't think anybody put this on an upset alert this week. Um, Ole Miss gets throttled 45-20. to 20. Jackson Dart 
19 to 34, 283 yards and an interception. And Daniels was the story of the day. Uh, he had a great day rushing as well, but passing, he went 21 to 28, 248 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Slade, I, I know you were drinking all day at, at the Whiteout tailgate, uh, but just your thoughts on this game uh, from anything you saw and, and obviously the score. I wasn't even drinking all day. I went to the tailgate for two hours, then came home and slept because I had to be up like 1 a.m. to drive to work. Um, but it disappointed. I mean, Lane Kiffin is in a hotel room with, I think, his daughter and her friends making TikToks before the game, and then they go out, and that's that's what they do. Uh, get beat up by 25 points. Just did not see that coming. Uh, Nick? Yeah, uh, Lane Kiffin just needs to shut the hell up and focus on football uh, and stop making jokes and making TikToks before games. Um, uh, as far as how the game actually went, um, I believe I had said it on here before. Jackson Dart to me is a like Dollar General Sean Clifford. Um, when he's on, he's on. But when he's off, boy, is it ugly. Um, and while 19 of 34, 283, one interception isn't the ugliest game I've ever seen. Um, you could just tell watching this game, he was missing some throws. Um, didn't look like the same Jackson Dart that we seen last week leading to a win. Um, I, I do not think that LSU is 25 points better than Ole Miss, um, but you know, Ole Miss kind of went out there, whether it's Kiffin's fault or, or uh, Dart's fault, whatever it is, uh, they just they almost seem like they thought they were going to walk over LSU, and uh, LSU ended up walking over them. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this is just Lane Kiffin as a whole. Uh, I mean, we've seen in so many years past, he has really good teams under him. He'll have a really good record, and then they come up. Not that LSU was supposed to be an easy game by any means. I, I definitely thought this was going to be a fight. But it's those kind of games where it's, hey, we're going into a hostile environment. It's going to be a tough game. we got to bring our A game, and they just fall flat on their face. I mean, we've seen it for the last few years at Ole Miss. Uh, we've seen it at USC and Tennessee before that. And, I mean, in the NFL, with the NFL. But uh, definitely something needs to change with, with Lane Kiffin and uh, his coaching self for these big games, it, it almost seems. Um, moving on, Slade, do, do, you, do you want to talk about it? Uh, no. No. Okay. <laughs> Uh, of course, the moment I say Texas is back, they, they turn around and lose uh, in a terrible fashion. Uh, they led 31, uh, I think it was 28, going into halftime. And they scored three points the entirety of the second half. When you were 19 of 49, uh, not, not good. Uh, 319 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Spencer Sanders, 34 of 57, 391 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, and penalties, Texas had 14 penalties. Oklahoma State had zero. Uh, we'll move on from Slade. Nick, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, uh, first of all, the penalties, that is tough. Um, you were not going to win probably any games uh, taking that many penalties and not having any uh, for the other team. Texas, kind of like you said, you know, we finally, all three of us, uh, Slade's, you know, been riding, but the, the two of us, you know, finally give him some credit. And they come around and, and do this. Um, and it's not all them. This is the Oklahoma State defense that every time I mention Oklahoma State defense, this is what I was talking about. Um, you know, they managed to to hold Texas to only to 34 points. With the way their defense has been playing, I thought for sure, and the way Texas' offense has played, I thought for sure they were dropping 60 on them, um, but held them to almost half that, uh, able to put up, you know, 41 points, which is good. This is a Texas defense that, you know, can, can play well, held Alabama to what? 24 points, I think it was. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, 
this has kind of been the college football season, uh, at least here on the podcast. Every time we finally jump on someone's bandwagon, uh, the wheel falls off. So, uh, I mean, least... usually it's me. I <laughs> bought an Oregon Ducks jersey. You guys gave them the Tex- Texas uh, Longhorns credit, and this is what happens. And someone that can throw the ball 50 times and only get 19 completions. Well, uh, 21 if you count the two completions that the defense made. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, I said on Saturday's show when I I picked Oklahoma State to win. I Correct. Was like, you know what? I've I've got on these other bandwagons so far. I got on the Kansas bandwagon. I drove that into the ground. And it, it was time for me to get on the Oklahoma State bandwagon to do the same thing. I, I picked them the last few weeks. They lost last week to TCU. I was like, you know what? Let's let's just put this in the ground and forget about it. Uh, but then I, I I think I said the magic words where I said Texas is back. And I think that's what was the death knell for them this past week. Um, <laughs> But I mean, they are by no means out of this. I mean, Oklahoma State can easily lose another game. Texas does play TCU coming up, uh, and we're we're going to talk about TCU here in a little bit. But that that is a key game. So Texas is by no means out of it. I am by no means safe from having to get that tattoo. Uh, I I think every week I just need to keep saying Texas is back, and I'll I'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Speaking of teams that have fallen from grace, uh, BYU gets blown out at Liberty, forty-one to fourteen. Getting his first name, but Hall for BYU goes 16 to 34, 187 yards, two touchdowns. Bennett for Liberty, 24 of 29, 247 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And Day Hunter for Liberty, 23 carries, 213 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, Say, so we'll go to you first. Yeah, I mean, I, I picked Liberty and, and thought that running would be the winning point for them, but damn, did he, <laughs> damn, did he have a weekend? Nick, yeah, um, my turn is it because you said Texas back. I don't think I might have said Texas back. I don't remember. Um, but BYU was the bandwagon that I officially hopped onto this weekend, um, and was sorely mistaken. Um, I, I, I thought if Liberty had a chance that it was at least going to be close, and it was the exact opposite. Uh, that's a twenty-seven point win. Um, I don't. Sometimes I'm wrong. I don't know what to say. All right, so we lost Slade. Uh, his laptop died. Uh, we'll see if he comes back. Uh, probably, I think, the surprising game of the week, we had Alabama 30, Mississippi State 6. I thought Mississippi State would put up a little bit more of a fight. I mean, To me, I think their defense played as well as it could. I, I don't think they were fully going to stop Alabama's offense. Uh, but Will Rogers has just completely I, – I, just falling apart the last few weeks. This is a team that went into Kentucky last week. They couldn't move the ball at all. I thought they'd be a little pissed off about that. Uh, Mike Leach said something during the game at, at halftime. He was like, oh, you know, he's like, we just need to be smarter uh, and be more aggressive with our play calling. And even the announcer was like, you you call the plays. Like, how do you say <laughs> the team needs to be more aggressive when you are literally the one doing this? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't understand it. Um Nick, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I, I'm right with you. I thought this was going to be closer. Um, you know, you only complete 50% of your passes, and you're throwing 60 of them. It's not a good formula for winning. Um, you know, it, like you said, you can't sit there and say we got to call more aggressive play or be more aggressive with our play calling. Like, I, yeah, you know, maybe he doesn't call defensive plays or whatever, but regardless, like, you're the head coach. You literally have control over all of this. So if you need more aggressive play calling, look your coordinators in the eye or look yourself in the mirror, whatever it needs to be. And, you know, get the play calling more aggressive. Um, as far as Bama, 
I, I think that this is still the way this game was played. If any other opponent opponent only scored six points on Bama, um, they're probably dropping fifty plus on them. Um, so I, I'm still not sure. You know, not even not sure. I, I still think that this Bama team is an outside of the playoff. Um, you know, team this year. I do not think they're up to that level. Um, and they, you know, they have a relatively easier schedule you know, with the remaining games of the season. But I, again, I don't think in the SEC championship that they have a shot no matter, you know, who they're going to end up facing. Yeah. It's, I, this is definitely not the same Alabama team that we've seen bounce back in years past. They had a lot of hype coming into the season. They had the returning Heisman winner and all this other stuff. I, I am definitely concerned if I'm a Bama fan that, and, and the worst part is, is, even when Bama looks bad, they're still better than I would say ninety percent of the teams in the country. Yeah. So it, it's hard for me to sit here and say, "Oh, this this Alabama team sucks." I'm not. I don't want to come out and say this Alabama team sucks, but they're in my eyes. I definitely have five, if not six, more teams in the country ahead of them. Not even just because of the, the yeah, that's how the rankings are right now. I think there's teams ranked lower than them that honestly play at a higher level than them. That that I am concerned about Alabama going forward. Uh, we, we said this on Saturday. Now, granted, we're in week eight. There's still plenty of time for them to turn their season around. They have a lot of tough opponents ahead where if, hey, they can go out there and play really well, um, you know, I, that might change my mind. Just the way I've seen them play up to this point, I don't have a lot of faith in Alabama. Uh, I mean, they always pull some random crap out of their you know, behind in, in the SEC's championship game and seem to win, uh, you know, games that nobody thinks they had any shot in. Uh, but this. Some just feels different about the, this Alabama season. Um, Agreed. Moving on, uh, we had the whiteout game. I, I talked about the Oregon game. I'll let you talk about this. Yeah, uh, I mean, I know that Tanner Morgan was out. We talked about it on Saturday. Um, you know, their QB, I forget his name, but he stepped in with a lot of confidence there earlier on in the game, um, which was very surprising, especially, you know, in the white or with the whiteout crowd. Um, I was most surprised, though, by Clifford. Um, we had talked about outside the podcast. Clifford has never lost a whiteout game. Um, and, but something, I don't know, something felt different going into this game. I was very scared, even without Minnesota having Tanner Morgan, you know, we just got gashed by Michigan the week prior. So I was hoping that we made some adjustments to the run game, um, which Franklin did. Uh, he, our, our, two of our linebackers, uh, Abdul Carter, and I'm totally blanking on who the, the other one's name. Um, they made their first start together for the season uh, and it worked. Uh, you know, we held Ibrahim. Um, I, I know that normally 102 yards and one touchdown, you wouldn't necessarily say you held somebody, um, but he did it on 30, 30 carries. So just over 3.2 yards a carry, which is the lowest of the season. Um, so definitely did a better job than we did against Michigan. Uh, it, it was great to see, you know, I, I wish that Tanner Morgan would have been there just for the sake of, you know, it, games like this somebody's missing their starter court starting quarterback that asterisk kind of goes next to it um but it, i was glad to see us rebound from you know the terrible loss last week considering the last two three years we start out five and oh we lose a game and then next thing you know we're on a downhill spiral so you know we got ohio state coming up um you know we'll see how we respond with them yeah uh your de- your rush defense absolutely played much better but in my eyes if <laughs> They probably should have played a little bit even better than what they did, just because coming into this game, you knew it was a backup quarterback who was almost never seen the field in, in how many years at Minnesota. Uh, 
which, I mean, I, I do give credit to Manny Diaz. I mean, I watched the first three quarters of that game. He absolutely sold out against the run. And that, I mean, that's all you could do in that situation. Um, they definitely have a difficult test this weekend with a dual-threat quarterback, a great running back, and also great wide receivers. I think in the past game, you guys kind of match up a little bit better uh, than you did against Michigan. Just because I, I think that the secondary learned a lot from that Michigan game. I think yeah. that's why. Um, but I, you're, I need to see your rush defense really step up this weekend for me to be like, okay, yeah, like, yeah, you learned your lesson from Michigan. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I, I think it'll be a really good game this weekend. I think it's 13 and a half right now is the spread. Uh, I could see that being a touchdown game. Uh, I, I said the same thing about the Michigan game. Yeah. I mean, you know, we uh, minus uh, I forget what year it was, but like one out of the last three years was pretty uh, uh, lopsided. But you think about some of our last games, uh, I believe 2019, we um, we had the lead, gave it up at the end last year. I think we might have been driving down the field with a chance to win, if I remember correctly, it's somewhere in those years. So it's always a great game, um, you know, even though it's not the whiteout. Uh, Penn State fans live for Ohio State coming to town, so I, I think it'll definitely be um, might might end up being the game of the week. Yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, we had a big showdown in the Big Twelve: Kansas State and TCU. Kansas State was absolutely running away with this. Uh, they were up, I believe, it was twenty-eight to ten. Uh, Adrian Martinez he even left the game at, at one point, and Kansas State was still playing really well, putting up really big numbers. Uh, Howard came in. 13 to 20, 225 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Uh, but TCU, and they did this last week, they just find a way to kind of keep themselves back in the games. Uh, you could argue without Martinez and all this other stuff would have been a different game. Um, but nonetheless, they, they come back, they get a huge win. They remain undefeated. Uh, again, th- but this is a team I feel like can only do this so many times going forward. Uh, you can't continue to let teams get out to a big lead. Oklahoma State. Should have won that game last week. They they were getting ready to put the nail in the coffin, and you know they, they threw a, a costly interception. This is a TCU team that cannot continue to rely on getting lucky and having these comebacks. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts on on this game. Yeah, um, I'm right there with you. I mean, you think about the Kansas game. You could argue that TCU got saved by the refs. Um, you know, last they like you said they got saved last week. Um. You know, they're getting ready to play Texas. And if you allow Texas to get a lead like this, um, you know, it, it's going to be a lot more difficult to come back from that. You know, obviously we've seen Oklahoma State, um, you know, do it. But I think that Texas is better than Kansas State. Um, and, you know, they're kind of on one week, off one week. So you're going up against Texas, you might be getting the good side of Texas. And if you get down 24 plus to the good version of Texas, um, you know, your undefeated season is over. So, I definitely want to see this offense start to come out um, hotter, uh, more ready for the game. It always seems like they come out and they're just not quite ready to play yet. And, you know, whether that's coaching or whether that's player attitude, um, which still, in my opinion, falls back on coaching, um, it needs to be fixed if TCU wants to continue this uh, great run. Yeah, this is absolutely a team where if you let Texas do this, Texas is, is a team that, I feel like we'll, we'll not relinquish that. They, they have had so many close calls this season and, and so many tough losses. Uh, Texas is going to do one of two things going forward. They're either going to run the table and, and play absolutely great football, or they're going to pack it in like they did last season. Uh, if they're the team that decides that they want to be great and they want to go out there and, and win games, uh, this is a, a team that can absolutely threaten TCU if, if they get off to a slow start. 
if Quinn Ewers can play a, even a half competent game at quarterback, especially in the first half, he could have them up four scores even more. Uh, and so T- TCU is not out of the woods by far. Uh, and there, there's a lot about that team that scares me. Uh, Boise State gets a big road win against Air Force in the conference, 19 to 14. Uh, Janetti for uh, that's not even how you say that probably. Jaunty uh, for uh, Boise State. <laughs> 15 carries, 53 yards, one touchdown. Air Force held to 175 total rush yards. They had the number one rushing offense in the country heading into this game. So uh, w- when you take away a triple option team's best threat, you, you kind of take away their entire scheme. Uh, so that, that sucks for Air Force. Uh, but I believe they're still in our top 25. Let's take a peek here in a second. Uh, our game of the week, uh, Syracuse and Clemson. Uh, Syracuse absolutely should have won this. They were up two scores early. Uh, they just refuse to move the ball in the second half. Uh, Schrader is just not getting it done at quarterback. Uh, had a decent day, 18 of 26, 167 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Will Shipley uh, rushing for Clemson, 27 carries, 172 yards, and two touchdowns. Ubi Ungalale was pulled in the second quarter with two interceptions. Uh, Nick, you, you got to watch a little bit more of this game than I did, so I'll get your thoughts. Yeah, um, you know, the biggest thing for me, again, you know, uh, we all – Kind of finally said, "Hey, Uwe Ungalale, you know he's he's here. Um, he's playing better ball, and he comes out and throws two interceptions before the end of the second quarter." Um, but yeah, I, really, the big thing for me in this was was Shipley Shipley being able to run the way he was. Um, not only uh, obviously scored points and helped keep the ball moving, but helped keep pressure off of his defense. Which, in my opinion, if the defense spends five more minutes on the field in this game, I think they lose this game. Um, you know, and so I think a lot of that can be accredited to Shipley being able to just turn around, hand him the ball, let him go to work, um, and, and, you know, continue to move the ball, keep your defense on the field, keep them fresh, keep them rested. Uh, I think that was honestly the biggest factor. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm disappointed in Syracuse uh, again. We, we have seen their offense struggle at times. Yes. But usually the fourth quarter is when they, they, really turn it on, and they, they show how good their offense can be. Uh, I don't know if the Clemson defense was just that good or, or what happened. There's definitely – Dabo Sweeney came out and said, you know, DJ is still his guy going forward. I think that's a mistake. Uh, we, we saw Saturday why that's not a good choice. Now, granted, Clemson can coast the rest of the season through the ACC. Uh, they're still going to find a way to lose a, a dumb game, whether it be to Miami or, you know, a, a team that is far inferior to them uh, like they usually do in years past. Um, to me, I don't have them as a playoff team in my mind. I understand if they run the table and they're ACC champs and all this other stuff, uh, just watching their body of work. And I understand you put your paper resume down and, and they're going to get in on that alone. I think they, they get mopped, whoever they play in the, in the first round of the playoffs. They could play a, in a struggling Alabama team, like you just said. And I think Alabama just mops the floor with them. Um, if they do run the table, they do win the conference. Like I said, they absolutely get into the playoffs. And I think it's, like I said, their resume, they're undefeated, conference champs, but it's also the, the Clemson name that they're bringing. They won two national titles in the past five years or something like that. Uh, they've made it a few times and, and so on and so forth. It, nothing about the, this team has me excited. Their defense is good. Will Shipley's good. Well, their defense is okay. Will Shipley's good. Um, but w- without a good quarterback, you're not going to go anywhere. Uh so that, that's just, that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. And, you know, I, 
this has been brought up, you know, we talk about Notre Dame facing the ACC, and this has been brought up, you know, when Notre Dame's sitting with an undefeated season, like, well, do they deserve to be in the playoffs? They play in the ACC. I don't know why Notre Dame, when they have an undefeated season, has to face that all. Oh, well, they play ACC opponents, but Clemson, um, who plays ACC opponents, which in my opinion is the, I don't know, maybe the Pac-12 overall, but Pac-12 and ACC for me are pretty close when it comes to overall, um, just being the softer divisions in college football. Um, now, you know, it, I get that Clemson has had, you know, their success in the past, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think that whoever they play, you know, just think Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, one of those teams, or even, you know, even TCU. I, I don't think that this team wins against TCU, uh, just, if TCU happen to make it. Um, so uh, definitely a big concern for Clemson. Uh, I'm honestly going to be very upset if they do end up making it into the playoffs because I just do not think that they're that good. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not going to waste my breath anymore. <laughs> uh, moving on, let's update you on our game pick and cash out standings. Uh, Slade's still in the lead, but I'm gaining on him. Uh, Slade's at 58-29. I am just two games back, and Nick is three games back to me. Nick, you've been struggling here lately. I have. i got to get back to my gut. Yeah. Uh, in the cash out picks, uh, Nick, you still lead the way. Uh, Slade's in second, and I am I am far far behind. Uh, and I don't want to talk about it. Uh, I, I'm really glad I can't put money on most of the bets I put in. Uh, <laughs> I would be poor. Um, moving on to the Jack Wagon Sports Top 25, which we just mentioned. Ohio State stays at number one. I guess it took a week for for the everything to register because now Tennessee jumps Alabama uh, from fourth, and they are now the number two team. Alabama stays at third. Georgia falls to fourth uh, just because of their bye week. Uh, Michigan is, stays at fifth. Clemson jumps all the way up to sixth. TCU is seventh. Uh, Tulane jumps from 14th to eighth. That is not a team I thought I would ever say is in any kind of top 25, let alone the top 10. Uh, but, are. hey, that's what happens when you look at real stats, when you put real stats into your ranking. Real stats. Uh, Ole Miss falls from sixth to ninth. Syracuse from eighth to tenth. Texas from 7th to 11th. Uh, Illinois actually falls a spot, but I believe they had a bye week as well. USC had a bye week, and they stay at number 13. LSU jumps from 21st to 14th. James Madison lost again, uh, but somehow they only fall five spots from 10th to 15th. Oklahoma State uh, jumps up one spot to 16th. Penn State, after falling out of the rankings last week, is now back into the rankings at 17th. Wake Forest, with a big win at home over Boston College, jumps back up into the rankings at 18th. Oregon jumped from 25th to 19th. Uh, UCF had a tough loss. Uh, they got blown out by Eastern Carolina. Uh, they fall from 15th to 20th. Utah, on their bye week, falls from 18th to 21st. Uh, Air Force, with that loss, falls from 19th to 22nd. Western Kentucky, uh, they had a win, but they stay at 23rd. Washington jumps in after a win on the road at Cal uh, from not ranked to 24th, and Mississippi State falls from 16th to 25th. And I just want to say this about Washington. I already didn't like them because I'm an Oregon fan. How the hell do you not cover the spread against Cal of all teams? You cost me $300. I, I mean, okay, I would have won $300. You cost me five, but still. <laughs> hell. How do you not cover against Cal of all teams? It's ridiculous. Um Teams that fell out of the rankings. Minnesota has finally been pushed out. Uh, they, I think it's the third loss now. Uh, it took them long enough. UCLA <laughs> falls from 22nd, and UAB falls out from 24th. Even though I believe, no, excuse me, Western Kentucky beat UAB by three. Um, but 
that is the Jack Wagon Sports Top 25. Uh, and I think that is our show for this week. Uh, if, you missed, if you missed the announcement uh, on our social medias, uh, we did on TikTok, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Uh, the game of the week for Saturdays out of the tunnel will be Tennessee and Kentucky. It's going to be a great matchup. Uh, super excited to see that. So make sure you guys join us for out of the tunnel on Saturday morning uh, for our game picks, uh, headlines, bets uh, that are not going to win. That's why we call it not betting advice. We just look at our banners. Uh, <laughs> make sure you guys join us live on our YouTube at 830 in the morning. We push it back a little bit because we like to sleep. Uh, and I'll just try and get a few more people to watch. Uh, but we hope to see you there. And don't forget, if you do miss us live, you can still watch it afterwards. You can go back on Sunday and watch it and just see uh, see how wrong we were. Unless you're Slade. Slade's yeah. been on fire. Yeah. Uh, I've talked a lot. Uh, I'm out of breath. Uh, but that'll do it. Uh, we'll see you guys later. Good to see you guys.